You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. Now, I want you to look at what Jesus was focused on. This is very important because we're no different from these disciples. What he was concerned about with them, he's concerned about with us. So he wanted to know, where's your faith? Notice, he wasn't concerned with the storm. He wasn't concerned with the boat that was filled with water. He wasn't concerned with getting to the other side of the lake after this storm. What was he concerned about? His focus was on their faith. Because Jesus, with this storm and with your storm that you're in right now, his intent is to stretch your faith. At the heart of your journey with Jesus lies the commitment to doing his kingdom work. Today in his message, Pastor Jeff shows you that above all else, your faithfulness to God's mission remains paramount. Keep your faith at the forefront and ensure that the foundation of your walk with Jesus remains grounded in your devotion to his kingdom. Above all else, your faith is the most important aspect of your identity in Christ. Amidst your highs and lows, never lose sight of what matters most. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 as he begins his message, What You Think About God. Inconsequential things in life that get into our lifestyle or into our mind that spoil the vineyard. The vineyard is what God wants to do in our life. It's the area of fruit bearing. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Why? That you would go and bring forth fruit and that fruit would remain. That's the vineyard. It's the little foxes, Song of Solomon says, that spoil the vineyard. So little things really bring about victory or defeat, often more than the big things. We tend to think, you know, if I fall big or if I start praying big, then that makes it. But you know what? Victory or defeat is often in the little stuff. The little stuff. The little foxes that get in and sabotage the vineyard. Now, there is a prayer vineyard. Prayer is one of the vineyards in your life because prayer is where really all the blessings and all of what God does in our life, you got saved when you prayed. So salvation, our walk with God began with a prayer. So what began with prayer is continued with prayer, ends with prayer. When we get to heaven, we don't need to pray anymore. But until then, we need to pray. So I'm going to talk to you today about some of the little foxes that can get in and spoil the vineyard but not just from a negative angle, but I want to show you the little things that if we will pay attention to them, they will really create a strong prayer life. How many of you want your prayer life enhanced? Want it increased? Come on. How many of you want your prayer life to grow? Is anybody like me where God has been convicting you that you need a stronger prayer life? Anybody there with me? All right. So today I want to deal with something I'm just going to call the message, What You Think About God. What you think about God. And I'm going to show you what you think about God or your prayer life is going to depend a lot on what you think about God. If it's a strong prayer life or a weak prayer life, you can trace it to what you think about God. So let's read Hebrews 11, 6. And even though this is often called a faith verse, it's really also a prayer verse. But without faith... It is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, now there's the prayer part. He who comes to God, that's talking about prayer. I'm coming to God with petitions, requests, intercessions, whatever. For he who comes to God, everybody say must. Now, he's going to tell us that when you come to God, there's some things you must believe about him. 
He says, you must believe that he is. Well, most of us here have no problem with that. We believe he's there. But also that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So he's not only there, but he's a rewarder. If he's not a rewarder, why in the world would I pray? If he doesn't answer my prayers, if there's no fruit from the prayer, why would I ever pray? I'm gonna drop it pretty quick. But if he rewards me, if I can tell a difference in my life because I prayed, then I've got incentive to pray. But I'm gonna talk to you about a few more things we've gotta believe about God when we pray. Now, I just wanna leave you with a thought today that what you believe about God is very important to your prayer life, what you believe about God. I want you to notice this is a prayer verse, he that comes to God, and he's telling us, he's showing the connection between prayer or praying faith to what we must believe about God. He's making a connection between prayer and what we must believe about God, that our faith is based on what we believe about God. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The word of God. Now, our faith is rooted in what we have come to believe about God. You're not going to go to God for healing if you haven't been told he's a healer. You're not going to go to God for salvation if you haven't been told he's a saving God. You're not going to go to God for peace if you haven't been told that he is Jehovah Shalom, your peace. In other words, our faith is informed by what we believe about God. So what we believe about God is what inspires our faith. And our faith determines what we dare to pray for. Amen? If we know that he's a rewarder, then we have all kinds of incentive to go to the place of prayer. But if I believe that he's not hearing me, he's not answering me, that it's kind of futile to pray, I'm not going to ever pray again. But if I'm told this about God, see, this verse tells us something about God. When you pray with faith and seek him, then he is a rewarder. Your God is going to respond. He responds to faith. He responds to praying faith. He answers prayer. So it matters what we believe about God. Remember last time we were talking about the Lord's Prayer. The disciples said to Jesus, teach me to pray. And what did Jesus do? First thing he did was he told them something about God. He said, you want to know about prayer? You want to know how to pray? Let me tell you how to pray. Picture him as your father in heaven. He identified, he told us something about God so that he's not some distant deity out there who really is unapproachable, unattainable, untouchable. But no, he is a God who is our father. He is our father God. So what did Jesus do? He said, before you even start praying, you've got to have the right image, the right picture, the right concept of God. Because what you conceptualize him as being is going to decide how you pray. So if I believe he's a loving, compassionate, merciful, a good, good father, that he cares about me, that he's merciful, his mercies are new every morning, he's a forgiving God, he is a strengthening God, he is a God who takes my hand and walks me through the valley of the shadow to the other side. If I believe that he is a good, good God, then that affects the way I approach him. If your God is a small God, you're going to pray small prayers. Amen? If your God is a big God, you're going to pray bigger prayers. I want to encourage you today, pray big prayers. Amen. If I'm going to pray, I might as well pray some big prayers because you know what? I serve a big God. Is your God a big God? I serve a big God. 
I serve a God who was able to move on a teenage virgin by the Holy Spirit. She conceived the Holy Son of God in her womb. I serve a God who was able to invade planet Earth by sending his only begotten Son, who lived a sinless life, who died for our sins, who rose from the dead, who defeated Satan, who defeated death, who defeated hell, who defeated the grave. I serve a great and a mighty God. I serve a God who says, call unto me, and I will show you great and mighty things. Not little things, great and mighty things that you have not yet known. So we are encouraged not just to pray for the small stuff, but to pray for big things because our concept, our picture, our understanding of God is he's a big God. Can we say with me together? Let's say with me, he's a great big God. My God is a big God. He's the God of the universe. When we follow Jesus through the gospels, you find that Jesus found it very, very important to continue to reveal and unfold to his disciples who he really was. So you know what I think is wrong with the American church? Because the American church has gotten a whole lot weaker. The American church as a whole is in decline. Now, we're not in decline, but if you look at the denominations, you read the studies, the American church as a whole is in decline. Now, let me tell you part of the problem. We quit preaching the Bible. People want to hear the Word of God. They don't want to hear a bunch of feel-good, tickle-your-ear stuff. They want to hear the Word of God. They want to hear the truth of the Word of God. But also, we're preaching a little God. We've turned church into motivational seminars. But I want to tell you, I came today to preach up Jesus and preach down the devil. I want to preach up God. I want to tell you what kind of God we really serve. Amen? So he's a great God, and Jesus was always unfolding who he really was to the disciples. You could go up to a lot of church people today and say, who is Jesus? And they'll say, well, he was a good person. He did some good things. He was a wonderful human being. But very few would say, you know what? He was God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus was always seeking to unfold who it was that they were following. One day, Jesus says to them, Guys, I want you to get into that boat. We're going to go to the other side of the lake. And so they say, okay, yes, sir. They get in the boat. They launch. They head out. And by the time they get to the middle of the lake, it says Jesus is asleep in the helm of the boat. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere came a storm. And that's the way storms generally come. They're sudden. The Bible says, suddenly, a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him, and they awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Another gospel says, don't you care that we are perishing? Now, let's be honest. Because he was God, because Jesus was God, he knew that storm was coming. He knew when he told them to get into the boat that the storm was going to come. I believe Jesus knows the storms that strike our life before they ever arrive. He knows what's coming before they ever arrive. And he knew this storm was coming. He knew when they launched out, when they got into the middle of the lake, that a storm was going to strike. Because he knows the end before the beginning of something begins. He dwells in eternity. He doesn't dwell in time and space. He's not limited by time. He's back there in eternity past. He is right now in eternity present. And he also abides in eternity future. So before you get to your tomorrow, he's already there waiting for you to arrive. 
And he's already prepared a table before you. I really believe that. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. If you really pray and really seek him, he sets a beautiful table for your tomorrow. Amen? So Jesus was not in any way taken off guard by this storm. So the whole trip across the lake, I believe with all of my heart, was designed to be a spiritual classroom so that Jesus could teach them something about himself. Because the Bible says when they woke him up and they were all panicked and the boat's filling with water and it's 911 time, it says he arose and he talked to the wind. He rebuked the wind. Wind stopped and it stopped. And the raging, rolling waves, he said, stop. And they stopped. And suddenly there was a placid sea. It says in the Bible, a great calm. And then he looked at them and he said, where's your faith? Where is your faith. Now, I want you to look at what Jesus was focused on. This is very important because we're no different from these disciples. What he was concerned about with them, he's concerned about with us. So he wanted to know, where's your faith? Notice, he wasn't concerned with the storm. He wasn't concerned with the boat that was filled with water. He wasn't concerned with getting to the other side of the lake after this storm. What was he concerned about? His focus was on their faith because Jesus, with this storm and with your storm that you're in right now, his intent is to stretch your faith. And how do you go about doing it? By revealing who he was. He enlarged their picture of who he was. What you believe about God is gonna affect your prayer life. What they believed about him was gonna affect their prayer life and everything they did in the future. So he is expanding their understanding of who he is. And it says they were afraid. Well, yeah, this guy just stood up and told a storm to stop it, and it stopped. And they asked a million-dollar question, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Up to now, he's been a cool guy to follow around. But now, he's talking to storms and telling them to stop. And they stop. Now, I want to submit to you that they asked the very question he intended them to ask, because there's only one answer to that question. He is God. He's God. So their understanding of who they were following went, woof expanded. We're not just following a neat teacher who tiptoes through the religious tulips, saying nice things to people, healing a few people, and being an all-around good guy. We're not just following an inspirational personality. We're following this. Hey, guys. Hey, hey. He's God. The song says, if I never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in his word could do. See, that's why God allows trials into our life, because in that trial, he wants to teach you something about himself and enlarge your understanding of who he is. Amen. So how big is your God? When you go into the place of prayer, what is your God like? How do you view him? What is your image of him? What are, how do you picture him? When you go to the place of prayer, because all of us, when we get down to the place of prayer, whether we're pacing or kneeling or whatever, we go to the place of prayer. We've got an image in our mind. We've got a picture, a concept of who God is and what he can do and what he will do. So I'm asking, what is the image of him you have in your mind when you go into the place of prayer? What are your beliefs about him? What are your convictions about him? Because whatever you believe about him is going to decide how you pray and what you pray for and what you believe him for. So I want to give you three things 
that'll help us in our prayer. Now, these are the little foxes. If the fox is not there, if the little fox that I'm gonna name, if it's not in there affecting your prayer life, then good. But if he is there, I'm gonna chase him away with this word now. First, we must believe. This is very simple, but oh, it's the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. Here it is. We gotta believe that he cares. He cares. I want you to say with me, God cares. Do you believe God genuinely cares about you and the things that affect you? Do you believe that God genuinely cares? Let me blow your mind with something. If I care about somebody, I'm thinking about them. Do you agree with that? If I care about somebody, I'm thinking about them. They're on my mind. All right. Listen to what David said in Psalms 40, verse 5. He says to God, the number of your thoughts towards me, I can't even count. You, you are thinking so much about me, God, I can't even count the number of the thoughts. Your thoughts about me are voluminous. They are multiple. They are many. I am on your mind. Remember, what's that old song? You were on his mind? Now listen, not just you were, but you are. When you got up today, you were on God's mind. Do you believe that? You were on God's mind. You say, little old me, little old you. You were on God's mind. While you slept last night, you were on his mind. While you slept, he dispatched angels to keep you up, guard you up, hold you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. This week, you are on his mind. Right now in church, you are on his mind. He's thinking about you. David said later in that very psalm, I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. What a thought. The Lord thinks upon me. He thinks about you. He knows your name, what you're going through, what you're experiencing, the attacks you're under, the challenges you have, the way people have hurt you, the way you're struggling just to get by. He knows about you. You are on his mind. He's not out flinging other stars into space or just focusing on the superstar, the spiritual superstars. No, no, no. You are on his mind. John, Jay, Jeff, Jill, Jane. I've got J's on my mind. You are on his mind. I want you to say with me, I'm on his mind. He cares. You know that Jesus was all the time teaching those that were following him about how much God truly cares. One of, his, one of the main thrusts of his teaching was to convince people, to show people how much they were on God's mind, how much he really cared. It says, then turning to his disciples, he said, don't worry about whether you have enough food to eat or clothes to wear, for life consists of far more than food and clothes. Now he's going to turn to nature and he's going to say twice, look. And he's going to point twice to something in nature. The first one, ravens. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or have barns to store away their food. And yet they get along all right, for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Let me put it to you this way. If God feeds birds he didn't die for, then he'll feed his children he did die for. Amen? So Jesus says, how much does God care? He's going to take care of you. He knows what you need before you even ask him. He's watching you. He cares about you. He said a second time, 
All right, now look at the lilies in that field. I love the way Jesus taught. They're just walking down some road. He said, look at those birds. Let me tell you a little lesson looking at those birds. Now look out at the field at those beautiful flowers. See how beautiful they are? Isn't it beautiful in springtime? We're about to see it. Those beautiful blue bonnets on the sides of the road. And Jesus said, look at those blue bonnets. Let me just put it that way. Look at those blue bonnets. They don't toil and they spin. They don't weave clothes. And yet Solomon in all his glory was not robed as they are. And if God provides clothing for the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, don't you suppose he will provide clothing for you, you doubters? You have little faith. So he says, look at how God clothes those flowers. He didn't die for them, but he died for you. Jesus would die for them. And so he says, if God will do that for what is here today, gone tomorrow, then he really cares about you and he'll take care of you. It goes on, one more, out of the Living Bible. I love the way it put it. Jesus said, all mankind scratches for its daily bread, but your heavenly Father knows your needs. He'll always give you all you need from day to day if you will make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's great happiness to give you the kingdom. Amen? So say with me, God cares. Come on, everybody, God cares. Do you really believe that? All right, so when you go to the place of prayer, a good way to start is tell yourself, all right, I'm praying to a God who cares. I'm on his mind right now. Amen. Well, the second thing you must have in your head as a belief is that he hears. If he cares, then he hears. I was talking to a young lady this week who had been, she's single and she had been dating this guy. And she told me, she said, I think I'm gonna break it off. And I said, how come? And she said, because he doesn't listen to me. He doesn't listen to me. And I, I almost wanted to say, well, that's it. But then I, it occurred to me, no, that would be a dumb thing to say. Because if he doesn't listen now, he's sure not gonna listen after I do. All right? So she said, he doesn't listen to me. I said, what do you mean? He said, I'll be telling him something real important about me that matters to me. And I can tell he's not listening. So I think I'm about to walk. And I said, you walk, girl. Because you want somebody who cares enough to listen. Now listen. <laughs> we need to understand not only does God care, but because he cares, he hears. Do you know that John in 1 John 5, 14, he tells us that a key component to successful prayer is believing and knowing God hears us, that he listens. He says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, what's the next three words? Read it out loud. He hears us, all right? And if we know that he what? Hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have what we have asked of him. Now notice, you got a cause and effect here. If I know that he hears me, then I also walk away from that prayer time knowing I have it. I know that I have it. If I know that he heard me, I know that I have it. So how important is it that we know that God listens, we know that he hears, we know that his ear is turned our way? How important is it? Well, being confident in prayer. It means everything in prayer. I got to know that God is listening. God is listening. See, this is one of the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. A little thought. You go into the place of prayer and you start to pray 
and a little thought drops into the back of your head. You may not even be thinking about it big time on the front burner of your mind, but it's back there. And it says this, God's not listening. It says things like this, you prayed before and nothing happened. So what makes you think it's gonna happen now? You strive to not only seek God's presence in difficult moments, but also include Him in every aspect of your life? By doing so, you mirror His unwavering devotion and can find purpose, joy, and fulfillment in your connection with Christ. Today in his message, Pastor Jeff emphasized the profound principle of prioritizing God in your heart, just as you constantly reside in God's thoughts. Place God first and align yourself with His eternal purpose for you. We'd love for you to have additional resources. Here's Diane with more. Are you interested in partnering with us here at Hardwired? We'd love for you to come alongside us in supporting this ministry. All you have to do is text 817-484-4767 and enter the word GIVE to donate. That number once more is 817-484-4767 and text GIVE. Thanks so much for prayerfully considering this today. And thanks for listening. Daniel has more to tell you about what's ahead on the upcoming edition. Are you letting your devotion to prayer reflect the depth of God's commitment to you? As you remain steadfast in your prayer life, you honor God's enduring love and remain rooted in His transformative grace. In Pastor Jeff's next message, he shows you that just as God's unwavering presence never falters, your commitment to prayer should mirror His faithfulness. Amid life's challenges, find solace in the assurance that God is always by your side. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in for this edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. You can listen to more messages from this and other books of the Bible by visiting hardwired.org. Join us next time to continue our study in the book of Matthew right here on Hardwired.